Hello, and a huge and amazing welcome to Lisa Huff, who I am so privileged and genuinely honored to have on the program, actually as my first female uh, Bitcoin people guest. Uh, welcome aboard, Lisa. Thank you, Carrie. Wow, your first female guest. Well, we need more women Bitcoiners, so we, maybe you'll we certainly do. Maybe we'll spur more to come into the space. I would actually love that. Uh, and I, I, I actually lie a little. I did have one other woman on the show, and it was my best friend. And I live oh. orange pilled her, so she wasn't a bit. Awesome. And I tried to orange pill her live in two hours. <laughs> And gave, How did it go? Well, I went from um, like we literally did everything from from the humanitarian through to inflation through to uh, through to wow. treasury bonds and debt and the whole kit and caboodle. I think it was a little much. I think it was a little much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lisa, to digest. You've done. You're doing amazing stuff in this space. Um, that's bridging. Bitcoin and digital assets with traditional banking. I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit in terms of your background in natural gas trading and that transition over to digital assets and what you're doing now. Let's set that up first, if you don't mind, and then we'll, we'll deep dive into some of what that means. Oh, sure. Well, thanks again for having me, Carrie. Uh, yeah, so I started my career uh, much in the way that, that a lot of old people did. They answered an ad in the newspaper and mailed a resume to a physical location where someone opened it, and that's how I got my first job. So my first job out of college was working for Solomon Brothers. They had a commodities trading desk that was in Houston. I remember Fibro Energy. Yeah, yeah, so I was a risk analyst on the heavy fuels desk. Um, I remember the day before I was to start, my brother-in-law said to me, are you on the equities desk or the commodity desk? And I said, I have no idea. I have no idea what either one of those words means. So how did you end, up, uh, did you end up in risk management? What did you study? Biology. So I had a lot of science and a lot of math. I, you know, honestly, Carrie, I think that in all fairness, I think that I've gotten a lot of breaks because I'm a female and I probably got that job because I was a woman with a science degree and there were probably 20 guys with science degree or math degree or some sort of technical degree out there. And they, I, I was probably a quota, who knows? I don't know. I don't care. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, Interesting. Yeah, I feel like I've had a, a lot of lucky breaks that way. So, uh, so I started off in risk management and really quickly determined that the people that were trading weren't any smarter than I was and they were getting paid a whole lot more. And it looked like they had a lot more fun. <laughs> they laughed a lot more and they, they said a lot of curse words and they could wear whatever they wanted. And, uh, so anyway, I just set my sights on trading and uh, just pursued that. Actually, that was back when headhunters would call you and you'd go on interviews. And um, so I transitioned into a trading role. And, and I tell people that I've 
think every company that I've worked for uh, is either bankrupt, um, out of business. They were like pursued by the SEC. Um, so I, was, I worked for Enron. <laughs> I worked for, yeah, no, no joke. So Enron, PG&E, energy trading. Um, I, I don't know. There were a whole bunch of them out there, but what are you doing? Yeah, it was to a fun time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's like, wow, what do they all have in common? Me? No, um, no. no. So I, I, uh, I got really familiar with with moving gas around and I got really familiar with managing risk around assets. So I traded the East Coast. I started on the physical desk and moved to the financial desk and traded a little bit in the futures market. Not really. I mean, sometimes we'd have, um, yeah, we'd be able to take a speculative, I mean, all the time I'd be able to take a speculative position, but most of the time I was really just managing assets and managing risk in, the, in my part of the world. Um, so it was just hugely fun, uh, get to work early, you know, you're addicted to the weather channel, kind of like now people are addicted to CNBC. I was addicted <laughs> to the weather channel. It's the first thing I'd turn on. Oh, commodities, um, of course, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was, it was great. It was a fun career. I stopped uh, working when I had my daughter and didn't work for a long time and kind of found my way to Bitcoin in 2018. How did that happen? Tell us the Bitcoin hole. Let's let's do that briefly, if you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I found myself with a little bit of money that I needed to invest. And, and I actually had some money being managed by my uncle, who works at a big uh, traditional finance, you know, wealth management firm. And I just felt like, why am I in 26 different mutual funds with all of these companies, many of whom I've never heard of, I don't care about, I don't, you know, that this it just isn't what I'm interested in. Um, you know, I was probably in bond funds and REITs and all, all sorts of stuff. And I just thought, you know, I, I love the markets. I love technology. I think I should just invest in Amazon, right? Or Apple or Lululemon, or, you know, I really wanted to pursue this. I'm going to invest in what I find interesting. Mm -hmm. So the way that I decided really to, uh, you know, whittle out a bunch of companies was that I was going to, um, I, I, I took a magazine at the time called the MIT Tech Review. It's a great magazine. It's the only periodical that I pay for. Um, and they published a list of the top technologies every year. I think it was 50. So I did this gigantic spreadsheet for all of these companies from 2010 <laughs> to 2017. No kidding, right? So built an Excel spreadsheet. And by the way, I suck at Excel. Um, so it was very rudimentary Excel spreadsheet. But what I was trying to look for was what were the similarities? Who was investing in these companies? What were they trying to accomplish? what was the market they were addressing. And the one word that kept coming up was blockchain. And I, you know, after hearing it probably 10 times, I said, gosh, I think I need to buy blockchain. So I asked my best friend, Google, how do I buy blockchain? And then I discovered you couldn't just buy blockchain, that blockchain was this whole sort of like glamorous word 
that tech people wanted to throw around and it most in most cases doesn't mean anything. So it took me a little while, but I found my way to Bitcoin and uh, just really fell in love with the fact that I could understand it, right? Because I, I feel like I'm not, uh, I feel like I'm not that smart. I, I am smart, so I don't want to say that, but it's, um, I didn't, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I don't have an MBA, I'm not a CFA. But to me, Bitcoin makes sense because there's only 21 million of them ever, right? So if you understand the concept of scarcity, and I was one of three kids, so I totally understood scarce, um, right? Like if there was only two donuts left in three kids, right? That's a problem. Um, 21 million price of, price of is all value derived. <laughs> yeah, right? So all value derives from the fact there only ever will be 21 million. So I felt like I understood that concept. And the more that I, be, the more that I began to learn about Bitcoin and the more reading that I did about Bitcoin, I really thought, oh my gosh, like, I, all right, I, I get this. I, I understand what's at play. It really forced me to, you know, kind of relook at economics and relook at, um, I don't know, stuff that I probably ignored in college and got to see in the class. So uh, I feel like I was an excellent student, by the way, because I, I made tons of B's and C's, which I think was an excellent use of my time. Um, I always worked when I was in school. I worked full time. I was in a sorority. I had a boyfriend. I was out all the time. Um, like I am all about maximizing life. And anyway, so uh, it's, Bitcoin to me just seemed like I, it, I could make sense of it, you know, and I just really got interested in being able to get my arms around that, uh, that as a technology. And then, um, you know, the whole reason I started down the path was so that I could make some smarter investments or more focused investments. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I really began to shift my own portfolio from um, what was energy technology and Bitcoin yeah. to, you know, pretty heavy in Bitcoin. Fantastic. Okay. Wow. What a background. What a perfect background to uh, get insight into all sorts of, because there's, there's not only the commodities, there's not only the technology, then there's the Bitcoin and the economic side of Bitcoin, the fundamental um, analysis of, um, you know, different organizations and their spreadsheets. So it really brings a lot of different stuff together here. So my hope and dream is that some no-coiners are maybe listening to this show, mm -hmm. uh, that maybe someone will accidentally trip upon this, this podcast and go, what is this Bitcoin thing all about? So uh, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here, and I'm going to ask you, uh, why? Why Bitcoin? Why would I? Yeah, get it? I love that question. Yeah, mm. I love that question. You know, I, I feel like we as Bitcoiners often say to one another, how did you get into Bitcoin? But to me, it's really more interesting to say to somebody, why did you stay in Bitcoin? Or what is it that you love about Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I posted something on Twitter this weekend, and I, I really thought uh, I wasn't engagement farming. I've never done that. But I really thought, gosh, if I've ever posted anything on Twitter and I felt like it would provoke people, maybe it would be this. 
and it got like three likes, I think. Um, <laughs> but, no, it got more likes than that, but it, but it didn't really provoke anybody. Everybody was like, oh, I see how you, why you say that. Um, Matt Curse on your show. Is this a, is this a PG show? Now he's a curse. No, curse way. Go for it. Yep. Yeah. So to me, Bitcoin is fuck you money. Yep. Right. Fuck you money. So, and what I mean by that is it's not that I'm an anarchist. It's not that I'm not patriotic. It's not that I'm, you know, a libertarian. It's, it's not that I view the word world politically in one way or another. It is that having a scarce resource and having a nest egg, having investments that you understand that no one can take away from you is, is like having a sense of self. So whatever it is that makes you have a sense of self, if it's a college education, maybe you're, um, I, I don't know. I was gonna say maybe you're beautiful, but whatever it is that you feel like gives you comfort and allows you to sleep at night, allows you to know that no matter what, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what I feel like Bitcoin does for me because I own Bitcoin. I understand it. I understand no one can take it away from me. And I know over time, the value of it will increase. Now, I think my weighted average in Bitcoin is above where we are today. Does that worry me? Not in the slightest. In fact, I, I haven't checked the price today at all. I, I'm not even sure if I looked at it over the weekend. Um, it, it could go to zero and I would not sell my Bitcoin. Uh, it's, it, it is knowing that it is the right answer. I don't know how long it's going to take for us globally to understand that it's the right answer. Maybe it's not even within my lifetime. But what I do know is that having it and, and understanding it has given me this like renewed sense of excitement for what I work on. It's given me, uh, you know, even more self-confidence than I started with. Um, it makes me feel like I have real purpose in that, you know, I, I sit down with folks every single day and explain Bitcoin. And, you know, if that's my purpose in life, then it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a noble endeavor for, for, I mean, you're doing a podcast probably affecting tens of thousands of people. Um, you know, just to be able to explain this to folks is, is a, it gives me a real sense of purpose. So that's, I think that's kind of all we can ask for in life, right? It's like figure out. I knew that before Bitcoin, I was put on this earth to help other people. I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. Um, you know, I have a daughter. And so I, I knew that I was put on this earth to raise that child. And uh, she has a great father as well. But uh, this has given me just a, a huge renewed sense of purpose, real clarity to, to what I wanted, how I want to spend my own time. What a beautiful thing that is. So uh, I'm just going to stay for one more question on this thing of um, of maybe exploring bringing on board people who are brand new to Bitcoin. I'm not sure that they would necessarily get the scarcity proposition that you're talking about, nor Mm -hmm. the why it's a better solution 
why it gives purpose and why it gives that sense, particularly as a woman, I'm going to add, uh, of self-sovereignty and um, security. How does Bitcoin address some of those things for you? What's the link? Um, I'm not quite sure I understood your question, but I think you started off by saying, how do the how do people relate to those things? Like, do people see how does Bitcoin things? bring those things into people's lives? Yeah, so I think I've really uh, I can really understand where you're coming from. If I sit across the table from somebody, I feel like I've got a good sense of of where they might attach to Bitcoin. And I'll give you an example. Um, if I'm speaking to a women's group, I will talk about going to the Human Rights Foundation Oslo Freedom Forum last year and listening to those activists. Were you there? No, I've seen some of the video footage. And yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. Just you, 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 can't even, you can't even believe it. It's, I mean, wow, that is an incredible event. Um, to hear those people from all over the world who have virtually no property rights, no right to hold wealth in any currency, to hear them and their stories around Bitcoin is hugely powerful. So if I'm sitting with a group of women that would perhaps be sitting normally at a country club raising money for uh, American Cancer Society or the Garden Club, right? I'll go that route. Um, what I spend a lot of time on right now is working with energy companies or energy executives and helping them understand Bitcoin mining. And I have decided that it will be Bitcoin mining that causes mass adoption for Bitcoin. It has literally nothing to do with Goldman Sachs or Jamie Dimon or any of those <laughs> firms or people, right? Like, yeah. I don't care if they buy Bitcoin ever. I don't care if they understand it ever. Because the energy guys are figuring out that this is perhaps the greatest tool to be added to their toolbox ever, right? Bitcoin, and we, we can talk about it more if you want or not, but I mean, this is... Um, there's technology right now, um, just to sort of paint a picture for folks, there's technology, um, there's, there's chemicals that have been developed that you can use during drilling to make drilling um, more productive, uh, you know, reduce friction. I don't understand what the chemicals are, but there are entire businesses that do this, big businesses, right? Bitcoin is exactly the same thing. It improves efficiency along every edge of energy. So at the power plant level, Bitcoin is there as a tool because a lot of times power producers have to pay a grid to take their power mm -hmm. rather than shut down because there's not enough demand, right? That's like a couple percent, but still a couple of percent across a year. I mean, that's essentially just lost revenue, right? Like that's 2% you paid a visa. Why not just put that in your pocket? Why not mine Bitcoin instead of paying the grid to take your power that you can't use? Drop Bitcoin miners down, right? That's efficiency. Mm. Um, you have gathering plants at natural gas 
uh, natural gas gathering plants. There's um, all sorts of situations where that plant may go down. And if the plant goes down, the production that was coming to the plant, so the gas flowing, gets shut in, right? It can't come to the plant. Okay, fine. Well, what if you had Bitcoin miners that were sitting right there? And the Bitcoin miners are essentially a portable pipeline. Explain that. Right? So the Bitcoin miners eat the gas so that you can divert to the Bitcoin miners oh, or you can divert to the processing plant. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Carrie, so what's going to happen in the long term? I mean, this is the greatest buyer of energy ever, right? So it not only will address um, the renewables and, and really pushing forward the effort to bring renewables to market, right? Because Bitcoiners want cheap power. Mm. So if we can go harness it from a river, right? That's a lot easier than drilling a hole in the ground to get gas up, right? I mean, like, let's go harness the power of the river. Okay, so, I mean, or solar or, you know, name your green energy source. So Bitcoin will push that further, but it will also just hugely um, monetize for energy producers, um, processors, you know, especially the, the midstream businesses, right? The pipelines, the gathering plants, the processing plants. It is such an optimization tool. So, you know, I sit in Houston, right? Energy capital of the world. Mm -hmm. Almost everybody works in energy or they're an energy investment banker or they're an energy lawyer. You know, they work as an attorney on big deals for energy companies. And guess what? None of them understand Bitcoin. Uh, so there is uh, there is like a, you know, a force of us in Houston that go to the Bitcoin meetup and, you know, we're spreading the message. But it, it, so to me, it just depends who I'm speaking with, right? If I'm talking with yep. a, a 50 year old or 60 year old guy that works for uh, a private equity and they're focused on energy, or he works for, um, you know, one of the pipeline companies, I'm, I'm telling him the story I just told you. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's his wife and she would normally be playing tennis with her girlfriend, I'm telling her the human rights story. So there are all sorts of ways I think that we bring people into Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, you and I were chatting before and you were saying, you know, Bitcoin isn't partisan. It's not mm -hmm. right. Like from every angle that we approach Bitcoin, it's positive. So, you know, if you want to hang your hat on uh, the environmental impact, the good it will do for the environment, hang your hat over there. Right. As soon as the environmentalists really figure out that Bitcoin is their best friend ever, like, won't that be a cool moment? <laughs> if you don't care any, right. If, but if you don't care anything at all about Bitcoin and you own a pipeline company, if you're Kinder Morgan and you have billions of dollars of pipeline assets and you see this as a tool, right? This is like a better screwdriver. Don't you want an improved tool for your business? Of course you do. So it's going to be almost industrial and big business take up rather than institutional take up. I think Because so. they're That's the ones prediction. who benefit most from the efficiencies. So yeah, we, are, we are economically motivated, all of us. Yeah. 
right? If we were not, we would not, I mean, of course we are. And the cavemen were economically motivated. They were trying to figure out how to either, you know, hunt and kill and find something or trade something in order to get what they needed. Um, but we're economic animals, and of course they are. And by the way, you know, the, the big obvious point here is that it's in their shareholders' interest. Yeah. And so, okay. you know, a year ago, these energy companies would say to me, oh, no, oh, no, my shareholders would never let me do that. Well, let me demonstrate to you why your shareholders are going to demand that you figure this out. Well, it meets the ESG story, but it also, once you've got it in your treasury, what it does for those shareholders. <laughs> I think it's I think it'll be a while before they hold it on their treasury. I right. mean, I wish that I wish it would, you know, I think everyone should should hold Bitcoin. Um I think that's a harder fight. Okay. But yeah. everybody everybody can use Bitcoin, right? Everyone can use Bitcoin. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. So let's just go uh more broadly for a moment. We're saying it's nonpartisan. It meets the humanitarian, it meets the ESG and the uh, environmental. It's environmentally not just neutral, but positive because of the way it uses, I'm going to call it wastage, you know, or what otherwise might have been wasted in the energy space. Uh, can we just go through a few more use cases before we move on from there? Because I'm really curious about this left-right divide and how it meets the, the human needs, regardless of our political leanings, to the degree that we all want. Um, we, I think there's an element of we all agree on what we want the outcomes to be. We want reduced wealth gap, uh, wealth gap. We want the best opportunities for the least um, advantaged. Uh, we want not necessarily, you know, exact equality across, across society. It's more about differentiation. I think there's, I don't know, is it an intuitive dream? It's certainly my dream. Is this inside every human being, that idea of imagine if we could all be creative and express ourselves as human beings with the natural talents and skills that we we come to earth with. So I've got this vision, this kind of hyper-Bitcoinized world, this Bitcoin standard world, whatever you want, where there's economic stability, where there's deflationary prices and, you know, increase in purchasing power of our dollar, where I don't have to invest in risky assets to keep up with inflation, where I can breathe a little, where I can spend time with my child instead of working both both parents working full time yeah. um, just to just to fix the washing machine or get a new washing machine. Um, I, I have this dream that washing machines will be made better. I'll have a better quality washing machine rather than a disposable washing machine with inbuilt obsolescence. All yeah. of that, it feels to me like Bitcoin fixes. And I don't know that people... That to me is all different and yet somehow linked use cases. 
Do you see a similar thing? Is that a dream we all share left and right together? Or am I just living in my own fantasy world? Yeah, no, you've, you've told, I should be interviewing you. You've totally hit on it. Um, so I made, I made some notes. I'm going to address three of the things that you said, because you've really, you have made the reason to Bitcoin point. And I'll just put a, I'll just like outline it for people. Um, I'll, I'll just go like this. I'll highlight what you said. You said, what if every person could be their best self? Right, like what if everybody could be the best iteration of themselves? Now, I would say to you that that starts with you believing in yourself, right? So that, that's gonna take some self work or some work on yourself and some serious conversations for you to feel, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you got your start, okay, I can do this, right? I can do this, I am smart enough do this, whether it's produce music, maybe you're a photographer, maybe you're a writer, um, maybe you're a banker, maybe you're a, uh, a gardener, maybe you're, who knows what you are, right? But to be your very best starts with, I have the ability to do this. Now, Bitcoin, to circle back to what I said earlier, should be understandable to every person on earth, right? It's not something where the rules are only known to those at the top, right? I feel like in our traditional banking system or in our government, the real rules are only known to few. And the rules of Bitcoin are known to everybody. So yes, it takes some work to understand it. But again, all value derives from the fact that there only ever will be 21 million Studying Bitcoin is so worth it because, you know, and uh, so what you said was, uh, you know, what if every person was their best self? Alex Gladstein at the Human Rights Foundation event, um, or maybe it was a podcast, I don't know, I've heard him say this a few times, that I think uh, less than 30% of people live in a completely free society. In fact, it might be 20% of people. And he defined a free society as this. Can you have a gay rights parade in your town? Mm -hmm. Right, because that's freedom of speech. That, that's a whole lot of freedom, yeah. right? So let's, let's say that the number is 30% of people. That means 70% of people live under some sort of authoritarian, some sort of control. Right there, they live in a communist country. They live in a um, country with limited property rights. They live in, um, it, it, they, they're not free. Yeah. So yeah. think about that from a, you know, here in America, okay, we created the iPhone, Apple created the iPhone. Well, what about the other 70% of human beings out there with their intellect? that is stranded, right? Mm. That is that is being strangled, that they're not able to express. Sorry, I think I'm getting on a rant, but but your your point was exactly right that understanding uh Bitcoin, and by the way, I mean Bitcoin is the only form of property that can be held by every human on earth, regardless of property rights. Mm -hmm. 
right? Like the right to own property and the right to save money should be a basic human right. Mm-hmm. It should not be a political or a, a geographic right. It shouldn't be, okay, in America, you have a hundred percent property rights, but in, you know, North Korea, you have zero. Mm-hmm. Right? It, should just be a, it should be like air, right? Air is a human, I mean, it's probably not, but it should be. I mean, it, it is something we all should have access to. Wealth creation, the ability to save money is something we all should have access to. And this is literally the only way for every person to save money, right? My ability to save in Bitcoin is exactly the same as yours, is exactly the same as um, the the woman that I heard in um, in Oslo who was a sex slave who basically bought her way out of um, the sex trade in China with Bitcoin. Right. Oh, it's an incredible story. It's she's online. If you Google, I think her name is Yumi. If you Google her, um, she's all over the web. Uh, she spoke at the conference. Um, it's, it's an incredible story. Uh, Actually, she didn't speak. I don't think. I don't think she spoke at this conference. She spoke at. Where did she speak? She spoke at Bitcoin Miami last year, I believe. Um, but anyway. Yeah. So. So I would say that the the wealth gap is in part due to a knowledge gap because rules are not known by everyone. But within Bitcoin, the rules are known. You can understand what the parameter is. Um, You can understand what the monetary policy is and nobody can ever change it. And therefore, if you save in Bitcoin, you know, over time, uh, the, the value of your property will go up because we know from, I don't know, 5,000 years of, of owning property that as things become more scarce, things become more valuable. Um, And then your third point was, you know, will this incentivize a better output from people? So can we make a better washing machine is what you said. You know, Mm -hmm. will this, will this drive better products? I think you're, again, you're a hundred percent right because if I save in Bitcoin and if our society operates in Bitcoin, you better make a darn good washing machine or I'm just gonna make do with the one that I have, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's gonna take a lot for me to part with, with my Bitcoin. Um, so now I wanna give you one other example though on the, uh, on the home appliance front. So at Pacific Bitcoin, um, Pacific Bitcoin this year, I met a gentleman who was designing a water heater. And the water heater was going to, uh, was going to heat the water by mining Bitcoin. So it's going to have a Bitcoin miner attached to it. Now, here's the cool part. Go ahead. That, no, 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 no. That's, I thought yeah. that was already the cool part. <laughs> but anyway, go on. Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. No, so here's the cool part. So his idea is that uh, that these are available for free to consumers. So if you need a water heater, you can go to Home Depot, get one, right? Maybe there's a nominal charge. Um, get this, you take it home, you plug it in. And the Bitcoin that's mined basically belongs to this corporation. So if he's, ex, you know, so if he's Bob's water heater company, um, 
the Bitcoin that gets mined belongs to Bob, but the uh, but the the machine itself. I mean, think about that. That's water heaters are like I don't know five hundred dollars or a thousand U.S. dollars. I don't know what they are right now. I haven't bought one in a while, but they're not cheap. Mm. And um, and he actually gave me an example that this is already happening. Um, I think solar. Like people are, you're already able to get free solar panels in some places, but the excess energy goes back to the provider of the panel and that provider can sell it to the grid. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, it, Bitcoin incentivizes people to build better products and it will incentivize incredible ingenuity. I mean, I'm sure you know, I know people that are already heating their houses with Bitcoin miners, heating their pools with Bitcoin miners. I don't know because I know so few people in the Bitcoin space. That's why I started the podcast so I can meet yeah. Bitcoiners. <laughs> yeah. But so I think not everybody understands, and I'm not sure that I even understand the extent of the Bitcoin network and community. How how much? See, people still are concerned that oh, government could shut it down, and I go, but the toothpaste is already out of the tube. Uh, but the more yeah. I talk with Bitcoiners and the more I understand the kind of the breadth and depth of the ecosystem, the more I realize there's barely anything left in the tube. Like there's just there's um, the tube's gotten smaller. The toothpaste has gotten bigger. It just it wouldn't even fit anymore. <laughs> no. Right. So I just hadn't un understood how far and wide it goes. I'm. I get that you intellectually understood when you first engaged with Bitcoin, you got the scarcity proposition. You got the humanitarian proposition. You got the, um, uh, well, related to scarcity, the purchasing power. When I sent you your questionnaire, however, <laughs> which I printed off and put in front of me and now I can't find it. There it is. Um, I asked, what were your values, your top three values? And you said, Freedom, fairly obvious mm -hmm. in terms of connection with Bitcoin, um, kindness and faith. Does mm -hmm. Bitcoin feed in? I hear how it, it ties in with freedom. We've already started discussing that a little bit. Talk to me about kindness and faith. Gosh, well... You know, to me, I think the greatest win, although I work with energy companies, what I'm what I dream of doing is working with churches, because I think Bible studies should be talking about Bitcoin, right? The Bible talks about weights and measures and um, and honest money and truth in money. That's I mean, I don't know how many times it's mentioned in the Bible, but a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and there are great podcasts. Bitcoin in the Bible is a great podcast. Um, my former colleague uh, at Unchained Capital and his, uh, I think his father and um, one of his friends do that podcast. It's, it, there's, there are many great podcasts out there that connect Bitcoin to faith. Um, but Bitcoin is like this, it, it's this, um, I don't know, it's this, it's this equalizer of um, it's this equalizer of ability and it's it's also for me personally uh, again getting back to my tweet where I said Bitcoin is fuck you money 
I mean, I know that my number one greatest asset is myself. So if the company I work for, this company or any other company goes out of business, I'll be fine. As, as a lot of them seem to do. <laughs> Every time you leave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, but well, no, but I mean, I'll touch on this just for a second. I mean, I talk to a lot of people who are in a transition from a job who have lost a job or want to transition or want to come back to the workforce. And, and, and I, I, you know, I will say that most of them are women. Um, I speak to a lot of men too, but, but the ones I'm thinking of right now are women. And they'll say to me, um, and I'll say, I'll say to them, Hey, you know, in the short term, before you really figure it out, um, so-and-so, why don't you go work at Trader Joe's, one of our grocery stores? You know, you can go work there and uh, you can work 22 hours a week, which is part-time, and they'll give you full health benefits, right? Like that health benefits solve a lot of problems for a lot of people. Mm. And, and those women will look at me and they'll say, oh, I could never work at my grocery store. And I think to myself, you know, I don't value myself based on the job that I have. I would go clean the bathrooms mm -hmm. at that grocery store if it meant that I had health insurance and that was the best job I could get. I would go clean hotel rooms at a motel. Like there is no job out there that if I could physically do it, there's no job that I wouldn't do. I mean, I don't, my self-worth is not in the job that I do. My self-worth is trusting in my own ability, you know, I feel like I live with purpose and, you know, I know across time, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 20, the Bitcoin that I own will be worth more then than it is now. And I hopefully won't be, um, you know, in a challenged uh, situation. You know, I, I, I jokingly say I, I don't, I'm afraid of living under a bridge, but I am genuinely afraid of living under a bridge. And when you own Bitcoin, you realize that, you know, it's like this thing that nobody can take it away. You know, somebody could come and take my house that I'm sitting in away from me. Somebody mm -hmm. could come and take my car away from me. Somebody could take everything away from me, but they cannot take Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, I, I, you know, I think it's just the, the faith in knowing that all will be well. Mm -hmm. It's much, um, you know, it's much the same that I feel religiously, like all will be well. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's like this real comfort level of, of, of believing, of knowing that, that you can trust it because you don't have to trust any person. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, it's math. That's really all it is. It's math, code, free speech. Beautiful. And you're bringing Bitcoin together the same way that we've talked about kind of bridging left and right, Bitcoin kind of bridges, it's nonpartisan, it kind of, mm -hmm. it's a bridge between. And so you're currently working with Level Field, bridging Bitcoin and digital assets with traditional mainstream banking. Can you expand on that a little? Yeah, well, Carrie, it's really hard to buy Bitcoin. You know, if, if I talk to these energy folks and, I, and I'll convince them that, you know, Bitcoin isn't magic internet money and, you know, it isn't a hoax, um, they always do the same thing. They always go, okay, 
okay, fine. All right, fine. I'll buy some. How do I buy it? Yeah. And then you start down the process. You're like, okay, well, you need to go to your bank, Bank of America, wherever, right? Chase Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You need to go to JP Morgan Chase and you need to have them wire money to Coinbase, Kraken, Binance, right? Oh, but then don't leave your Bitcoin on that exchange, right? <laughs> because it's it's actually held in a in an omnibus account where you can't identify it. You don't know if they have it. And by the way, if they go bankrupt, you're an unsecured creditor. Mm-hmm. So you can't keep it there. So you have to hold your own keys. All right, Terry, that's, that's a lot, right? At that point, they're like, oh, forget it. Like, all right, my, mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a wealth advisor and he handles that stuff for me and no. So I love what we're building at Level Field. Thank you so much for, for letting me talk about it for a second because um, we, are, we are a firm of bankers. Most everybody um, has worked in traditional banking for 30 plus years. And we are, we've built an on-ramp for Bitcoin. You can go to our levelfield.us. You can buy Bitcoin. Um, we have a custody solution for Bitcoin, which is an IBM product that IBM developed with the U.S. Department of Defense. It is how our top government secrets are stored. So we are using that same technology to protect private keys. And if you custody Bitcoin with us, we will give you an address where you can drop that address into a block explorer and verify that your Bitcoin is there. So every individual is in an individual account for custody. So there, there isn't anybody else doing what we're doing. We're, we're literally just making the ability to buy and secure Bitcoin easy for people. Because at Level Field, um, and it's going to be announced on Wednesday, we are buying a bank. We're buying a U.S. bank. Um, Congratulations. Which will, yeah, thanks, thanks, will allow us to offer financial services like a checking account, right? So you'll have the ability to have a checking account alongside your Bitcoin, alongside your custody, maybe alongside your Bitcoin rewards card, maybe alongside your Bitcoin IRA that we will offer. We will offer a pay me in Bitcoin so that you can send your employer a form and ask to get some of your salary in Bitcoin, right? So nothing earth shattering with the exception of our custody. Our custody is exquisite and there isn't anybody else that's ever offered it in traditional finance and certainly not in digital assets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. We, we're, we're open now in six states. We're rolling out the states. Um, we'll, we will continue to roll out chunks of states this year and hopefully get you know probably all but New York New York is, uh, uh, anyway, we're going to roll them out. Uh, when you say you're open in six states, does that mean you've got a shop front of sorts? Does that mean you've got yeah. like a retail outlet? Yeah. Yeah. Our website, you can go on board on our website. Yeah. Oh, so on with the website, but you haven't got physical bricks and mortar. Yeah, we do. Uh, we oh, have a physical office. Yeah. Yep. We wow. do. And we'll, we'll have, I think we'll have three or four in the U.S. and we'll open uh, an office in Asia 
sometime in 2020, probably late 2024. And can people walk in uh, the way they would with a bank and go, here's my US dollars or whatever I've got, my Japanese yen, and physically bring it in and hand it over to you and you put it in an account. Will you exchange it for Bitcoin for me? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is way cool. This is amazing. Okay. Yeah. See how I love that you think that's way cool. But it's it's really boring, right? Like it's just a it's, it's just, just a regular a bank. bank. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But we're making the whole process seamless for people, and it'll be a better customer experience mm. because right now, if if I want to collateralize, which by the way I've done this, so I've mm. collateralized my Bitcoin um, at a Bitcoin only company, so not mm. Coinbase. But the interest rate was like 10, 11, 15% at those companies because those companies have to go borrow money from someone else. And we can go to the Fed window and borrow from the Fed directly, which means that if I paid 10%, let's say, at this other Bitcoin company, I can probably pay 7% at level field for the same loan. Right, like let's say I'm gonna go buy a new car and I need to take out a Bitcoin collateralized loan. So a lot lower cost of, um, of funds for customers and yeah. a lot easier. So when you're managing your, um, when you're managing your Bitcoin, I mean, it's, it's super easy for you to have money in a checking account for us to custody your US dollars. And then let's say the market moves against you, the market moves lower, you need to add dollars to this collateralized loan. You can do it with a tap of a button. It's not, oh my gosh, it's Saturday. I've got to wire money from my traditional bank, but they're closed. I don't want to get stopped out and I don't want X loan to get liquidated, right? Because the loan holder has the Bitcoin. Anyway, it, it just makes the customer's life a lot simpler. And this is what I think the um, 23, 24, 25 is going to be all like this whole part of the Bitcoin journey is about improving the user interface, improving the access yeah. and the usability. Uh, Malas is all about this, you know, so we've got credit cards, we've got um, apps where we can buy stuff with our Bitcoin much more seamlessly. You don't even have to know what's going on in the back end, everything. So that I think is where we're moving into, which that's revolutionary. I mean, this yeah. is what the Lightning Network is doing for Bitcoin, is taking it absolutely next level in terms of scalability. Well, accessibility that creates um kind of usability and therefore scope you know it really takes it next level doesn't it and this is what your bank is doing well yeah thanks i mean it it's all about usability yeah right it's all about ease of use and the the ease of transaction for people i i think it's a huge barrier um for bitcoin if, if you're not a bitcoiner you're not going to go through three steps in order to go to Coinbase or Kraken or somewhere to buy Bitcoin. You're just not. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's not going to be a big part of your portfolio initially. You're going to say, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm worth, I'm worth a million dollars. Um, you're not going to say, I'm going to invest a million dollars in Bitcoin tomorrow. You say, okay, I'll buy $500 worth. 
um, it, wait, you're telling me it takes three steps for me to do that? No. So yeah, I think to your point, um, the, the user interface will be, I mean, that, that's, our biggest, um, that's our biggest challenge right now overall in our ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really interested in, and I'm getting conscious of time, but I really want to explore, even if it's relatively briefly, this issue of credit and how that's going to work in a Bitcoin world. Because my understanding, so I've got two kind of conflicting ideas going on in my brain. On the one hand, reading the fourth turning or anything else like it, um, the private life of real estate and banking, where we talk about credit expansion and then... <laughs> sudden contraction <laughs> so collapse you know so we get this thing going on that creates cycles and then of course you've got the actual the human cycle at, that mirrors the economic cycle as part of that and so so that goes on but I listen to Jeff Booth and he goes Bitcoin breaks the cycle Bitcoin breaks the sky so cycle because of the scarcity and yet my question around that is, once we come to traditional banking meeting Bitcoin, there's still credit, there's loans, there's federal loans, albeit that they can't print money to paper over those loans to pay their debts. So I can see how that part of the cycle breaks. But don't we still end up with credit booms and busts? Yeah, I'm not a macroeconomist. I, <laughs> I would ask Jeff Booth to explain further. Um, no, I do think it breaks the cycle. You know, I, I don't understand, um, or I haven't, uh, haven't given a lot of thought to what happens to the government and their need for um, printing to meet their own needs. I think as a consumer, um, we don't need credit if we have Bitcoin. Right, not if we have Bitcoin financial services, not if we have the ability to, um, to, to use Bitcoin to buy things or to borrow against our Bitcoin to buy things. And again, like I think the transition is not, you know, we as Bitcoiners want it to be next year, everybody is adopting Bitcoin and we're on a Bitcoin standard. I bet that happens within my daughter's lifetime, but I don't think it happens necessarily within my lifetime, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all get a lot more conscious of where we spend dollars. I think mm -hmm. we all get a lot more conscious of um, of our ability to kind of beat the system, right? I mean, there's there's no reason you were mentioning earlier. You have a teenager. There's no reason for your teenager to think that he needs to be working when he's sixty, mm -hmm. right? Like that whole concept of retirement is done in Bitcoin because while we're in this huge adoption cycle, I mean, and we will see number go up. I mean, your son has the ability to, to save a little bit along the way for the next 20 years. And then, you know, perhaps have a nest egg to carry him the rest of his life. Now, mm -hmm. I love working. We already talked on that. Um, I think working is an absolute privilege. And, you know, we're not all able to work for, for various reasons, but I think it's a privilege. Um, but I do think that, that people should be allowed to work and feel that they've accomplished something, that they have real purpose. And I, I don't think mm. most, I, I think that that's what's missing with many, 
is that they feel like they can't ever win, they're never gonna meet their goal, and what they're doing doesn't matter. And this fixes that, right? Because you will be able to save enough. You will be able to protect your family. You will be able to make sure that you're safe in your old age. Um, you know, I mean, we're already seeing, I'm sure you're seeing it, people who are, who are changing what they eat because of Bitcoin. Yes, yes. Right? It's like <laughs> when, when you get on a bit, when you live in the Bitcoin world, it's like, you, okay, I'm not going to spend money on garbage. I'm not going to eat garbage. I'm not going to think about garbage. I'm not watching CNBC anymore. I'm not watching all that garbage on TV. It's like this mass improvement of lifestyle. Yeah, it's kind of a detox from, it's a the detox, detox from the old thinking. You know, the addiction to the old thinking, the old way of thinking about yeah. the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a detox from who I used to be. <laughs> yeah, it's a detox. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, Lisa, what a this has been amazing. Um, is there, it feels like it's winding up. I always like to offer guests the opportunity. Of course, I'm going to ask in a moment kind of how people can connect with you and find you. But I also like to ask, is there something that you'd really like to put out there that you really want to say that you feel we haven't touched on that you would have liked to expand on or just something that's in your heart or mind that you, you feel, I'd like to just mention this. Yeah, thank you. I would say to people, and you know, my favorite age group to talk to um, are college kids. Mm. And I've spoken at, I think, I think I've spoken at three universities, and I'm getting ready to speak at another one in two weeks. Um, believe in yourself. Bitcoin is knowable. Invest the time, because what you are meant to do isn't something that is out there today. So I do believe that the, the kids of today have a moment where they, they just don't have to go through this whole ugly process of um, the booms and the busts of traditional financial cycles and um, just the noise, you know, you, you just said detox. They don't have to go through something that they have to detox from. So I would say to college kids, believe in yourself, Bitcoin is knowable, go do the work, figure this out, buy a little bit along the way, and then go figure out how to really add value to humanity, right? Like go be what you're supposed to be. Be something brand new, take a risk, right? I hate when people give college kids the advice to, you know, oh, go do something fun or follow your curiosity. Okay, fine. But like, go do something hard. Mm. Go do something that scares you. You know, do something really scary. Um, I, I feel like you could drop me in any place, anywhere in the world, and I would be fine. I'd figure it out. And that is really what I wish for every young person out there, is to have that confidence that you could figure out whatever the circumstance is around you. Because um, they're worth it, and there's no reason to there's no reason to read books about how Howard Schultz built Starbucks, or I mean, yes, those are interesting, um, or 
other people how they've chronicled their business journey, like go make one, mm. right? Like the future is going to be so much more exciting than what happened in the past. Go make something great. Beautiful. Mic drop moment. That's great. Yeah. Um, inspiring, inspiring. Lisa, where do people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm always there. Okay. Oh, and I will say, um, as you know, Carrie, uh, I do respond to my messages. So if I can ever help in any way, feel free to reach out. Um, I, I love kind of brainstorming with people on how to get into Bitcoin. Um, if you if you DM me and you don't work in Bitcoin, you can rest assured I will be figuring out what company to connect you to or how to push you to get you to work in Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> because Bitcoin, you know, um, Parker Lewis, who I worked with at Unchained Capital, he's one of the smartest people in Bitcoin. He, he has this, um, you know, people that, that come to Bitcoin meetups or people that message on Twitter or people that sort of in this ecosystem have self-selected into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, this is the next wave, right? The self-selectors are, this is our ecosystem spreading. So I love that. I love, you know, being a part of that. And, um, and I probably the best part about my job is, is just connecting smart people to one another, just being the middleman. Absolutely fabulous. I love the sound of that. Uh, I am going to talk with you about coming to work with your bank. <laughs> um, I know. I told you before we started. I was like, "Wow, what are you? What's your specialty?" And you told me that uh, that you've worked with all kinds of all kinds of folks and and help them. Um, I'm going to give you a plug. You you told me that you help people. You you tell people what you did before, what you're still doing. I, I do presentation skills, training and coaching. And if you want yeah. a free um, video series to learn all about presentation skills in the Bitcoin world, I'm going to plug Looking Glass Education, where I've uploaded um, through their platform really? how to present Bitcoin. Yeah. So I'll go. Oh, I love that, that, Carrie. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Let's wind this up. Let's have further conversations offline. A pleasure to have you here. Thank you for taking the time, really and truly. And good luck um, with the next steps for Levelfield as a bank now too. All, right. All the best. Thank you, Karen.